Hey, thanks, Paul, and thanks, everybody. It's uh, really good to be with you. And um, uh, yeah, as Paul said, we've known uh, he and Sally Ann for a long time. And uh, it's nearly 30 years, which we met, we, we met when we were like, what, 10 or 12 and sort of... <laughs> we get there from path to talk. I do anyway, yeah. So uh, lovely to be with you guys. And um, um, we've, I've been with, with the church a long time, uh, as of course, as Paul and Sally Ann, 30 years. Uh, we knew Tark and Adrian and worked with them in the youth prior to that at uh, what was then called Queen Street Assembly of God, and uh, we just clicked pretty well, and uh, it's been been great. So Debbie and I are up here, and um, I'm going to introduce my amazing, wonderful wife and to come and say a few words. So just if you wouldn't mind giving her a hand as she comes. Thanks, Debs. Right, two minutes, here we come, or something. I really enjoyed the worship. You've got a, a well of worship here. I might cry. So. You've got a well of worship here. So dig into it. His presence is like an open door. <laughs> okay, so let's click myself. Um, I just want to talk about the next step for you. We've all got next steps to take. Um, it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, Psalm 37, 23. So we may have had some steps that have been messed around or we've gone off in the right direction, but God can reorder your steps. So we're never too young, are we, to make the next step? No. We're never too old to take the next step? No. And the making of you is the next step in front of you, whatever that might be. But I've... Also, I think this is true, a dream without a next step is just pie-in-the-sky fantasy. So you have to have a, a next step that God's got for you. And often they look like testing, then blessing. Often the, that's yeah, so true. And next steps might not be amazing, but they're always important. So to get, if you're walking somewhere, if you're not taking steps continually, you're not going to get there. So it's like you walk with God, isn't it? Um, so what is that? Just dial it down. What is the next step God's got for you? Might be just taking a cake to a neighbour. You might have a grump at work. You know, a, quite gr- someone grumpy all the time, or you know, you need to befriend them, and that will take quite a few steps. Obviously, um, might be saying sorry to somebody. Might be have to say sorry every day. <laughs> No, anyway, it might be just a word of prophecy or a word that you've got from God that we need to relook at. So that's like a step, you're stepping into that again. So just the final, if we're not taking the next step in God, we could be going stale or just standing still and not going anywhere. So what's the next step for you? And someone just said to me, the next step for them was to get water baptised. So it could be a range of things that God's got for you. Bless you guys. Really enjoyed the worship. It was awesome. Thanks, honey. Actually, um, this is our first time here, and um, we have three sons who are just great, great lads, and all love God, love us, and we're very, we're very blessed. And uh, they've all been here, and uh, over the years with the youth teams that have come, and the um, youngest one is because the others are getting older now. But um, Tim was was here a few weeks ago with the team. I think he led the worship actually. So he, he's he's a great boy. Yeah, he really. They all sent me texts this morning. Hope it goes well, Dad. You know, praying for you. So that that's great. And we're just so blessed. And I, I'm very grateful to God. You know, I came from a, a very dysfunctional home. Uh, I hated my father. Just couldn't wait to leave home, and get as far away as I could. And I'm just so, so overwhelmed with God's goodness to me that um, 
had given me such a, a close family, a wonderful family that we are best buddies and all going on to God. And I, I'm aware that's very special, and I'm just so thankful and so grateful to God for that. Yeah, so, and um, amazing wife, just wonderful. 37 years and a lot of months now. Getting up to 38, aren't we? Yeah, so we're, we're, we're powering along there as well. So that's so cool. So we're going to um, just look at God's word, and I'd just like to pray first, and then we'll get into it. Father, we want to thank you for your love. And I, I pray for every single person here today that's in the sound of my voice, that, Lord, they would hear not my voice, but your voice. Holy Spirit, I pray, just touch our hearts. And, Lord, give us today at least one thing that we can do to draw nearer to you. Father, to, to see God work in our situation and in our lives as well. And so we commit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I were to ask you what is the most valuable thing you possess, you might give me a lot of different answers, but I do love what Pastor Tark shared a few weeks ago in the area of hunger, and he said that hunger for God is the most valuable thing that we possess. When we have hunger, everything else starts to fit and follow together. And I think it should be up on the screen there now. Yep, it's coming up, I'm sure, any minute, the title of the message. It is, yeah, great. Okay. Oh, there we go. Okay. So the title is Spiritual Hunger, and I want to just share on one aspect of that area, uh, which I hadn't really thought of a whole lot, but I think, yeah, it does make sense, that spiritual hunger is a grace that God can give us. He can give it to us when we reach out for it. And so often in Christian life, and in getting somewhere in God and in life, we have to often take that step. The Bible says, draw near to God, and then he will draw near to you. And as Debbie said, what's the next step that, that he might want you to take? And one step is this whole area of his grace that will unlock heaven over our lives. There was once a group of theologians, true story, at Oxford University in the 19, I think the 1930s or 40s, and uh, they were discussing amongst the, themselves what is the one difference between Christianity and every other religion on planet Earth. Have you ever been asked that question? So these guys were discussing it. They were thinking it through. Wow, what is the one difference? And they were, had a big, long discussion and couldn't get really any clear answer. And C.S. Lewis happens to walk past these guys, and he said, oh, that's easy. It's grace. It's grace. C.S. Lewis is, by the way, the, the guy who uh, wrote the Narnia books and things of that nature. And he said, it's grace. You know, every other religion on planet Earth is based around one thing of what I can do to please God, what I can do to somehow get merit with God and get an eternal reward. There's every false religion is, has that basis. So I go out on the streets witnessing most weeks, right? I think it's really important. How will they know unless they hear? So I go into malls and on the streets and I share with people. And that without a doubt, the number one reason they hope that they will get to heaven is if they can do enough good works, they might make it. That's the number one reason. And that's common in every religion and every belief. But Christianity is quite different. It says, oh no, you can't do that because... The Bible says, you know, God loves us, but he says our works are as filthy rags in God's sight. He is total perfection. 
And God says, you, you know, great to, that you're trying, but it's not going to do it. It is only my grace. In fact, it's my work that I did for you on Calvary. It's Christ's work is the answer that releases grace to our lives and releases the benefit and the favor of God. And that's a, a lesson we have to learn and relearn and relearn, isn't it? It is for me anyway, that, uh, that his grace would come. And what is grace? Grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. This morning, realize where your victory comes from. It comes from, not from my own works. It, it doesn't come if I will just tithe and give more. It doesn't come if I will just pray harder and pray longer and pray more. It doesn't come if I will fast till I'm skinny. That would be good. No, it doesn't come from those things. It comes from the grace of God plus nothing. The grace of God. And oh, a very tiny bit of maybe obedience I can put in. See, we are not saved by our good works. We are saved for good works. Yes, absolutely. Does God want us to do things? Oh, yes, he does. But we're not saved by those things. Those things don't of themselves earn any merit and any favor. It is Christ's work. And so there are five blessings that we can expect that come because of grace. So the first blessing that comes is, and there are probably a lot more, but these are just some of them, is that of salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Yep, mate, they're on. That's very good. For by, I'm, I'm going to stop looking because I know it's totally sorted. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I guess you've perhaps heard of a man called Billy Graham. He's, he's in heaven now, but he lived to 99, not of bad innings. And uh, as a young evangelist, he was going somewhere to preach, and he was running late. Have you ever been late to church, and you're speeding? I have. Yeah, I have. I got stopped, too, by the traffic officer, and I had to witness to him. That's quite a story, because he, he came to church after that. He got saved. I visited him in his home. Yeah, that was yeah, right back the days when you would run your life group. That was, that was quite something. But anyway, Billy Graham was, was late to church. He got pulled over, and he got a fine for speeding. And I don't know how the whole thing worked, but he had to go to court, and, he got, and the judge said, you were speeding. Here's a, it's a fine. It was $10 back then. And he said, but he recognized who he was. He said, but I'm going to pay that. And he paid the fine for Billy Graham and took him out for a meal. Well, God is the judge. And he says, you and I, we've been speeding. We have broken the law. And the fine is eternal punishment. Banished from God's presence forever. It's, it's a terrible thing. But Jesus said, but I'm going to pay it for you. You're going to have the benefit because I love you and I'm for you. And that is being saved by grace. Where he, he says, this is the punishment. It can't be avoided, but I'm going to take that punishment on your behalf. The second benefit of grace is a changed life. A changed life. I am sure today, if you were asked to, to give a testimony, you could share of something that God has done in your life, something that he's changed for you and in your heart. My, my small story, I mean, as I said, I, I grew up hating my dad. Uh, you know, it was a pretty sad situation and, I, you know, at times a bit violent and things like that. And so when I was 17, I left home. I met a guy at a party. We went off to King's Cross. 
Uh, and back then it wasn't done a whole lot, and back then it was pretty wild. And I, I'm very grateful to God for protecting me. And, and, um, but I was on Bondi Beach and I was sunbathing once, and these two people came in on the beach and they talked to me. Can you believe it? I'm sunbathing. And they talked to me about Jesus. I thought, wow, do people do that sort of thing? You know, and what they said made sense. I thought, oh. And, and, and we, 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 you know, we talked maybe 20 minutes. And I said, well, look, what you say makes real sense. But there are things in my life I know don't please this God. And frankly, I don't want to change. So that was the end of the conversation. Well, time went on. And uh, God really, I mean, God was working on me. And, and he blew up my world, and I had to come back home penniless, live with my parents, which was just really exciting, and um, as, as a very proud 20-year-old now, and uh, I, uh, I was at teacher's college, and, uh, you know, so I was doing that, and um, I met with Jesus. I got saved. It was an exciting time in New Zealand back then, and uh, it was fantastic, and God really, really impacted me. And, you know, I'd be in these worship services at church, and I'd be crying my eyes out and thinking, oh, man, what is wrong with me? But what God was doing, he was healing all the hurts, all the wounds, all the hatred and the bitterness. He was just washing it away. And so when I'd see my dad, I'd go, hey, Dad, big hug, love you, Dad. Boy, he didn't have any answer. You know, he didn't know what to, how to handle that. And uh, God just did a, a wonderful work of reconciliation, certainly from my, my point of view, you know. I was just set free. God changed my life. We serve a God that can do anything. You know, if we will open our hearts, like we had, the, as Debbie mentioned, just a great time of worship this morning and tremendous fellowship, and we will open our heart in those times, we draw the grace of God that has the power to bring change. And God will do that for you on an ongoing and a permanent basis. A third benefit of grace is victory on the inside when the outside is falling apart. You know, you've had that? Yeah, you know, everything else on the outside is just crashing to, you know, it's just terrible. The Apostle Paul had this, and he said, In case I should be exalted above the measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me. That doesn't sound much fun, does it? Lest I should be exalted above measure. And concerning this thing, which was more than likely Jews who were trying to kill him from city to city, not very nice. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart. He said, God, please, God, please, God, let it go. Let it leave from me. And all God said was, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength, Paul, will be made perfect in your weakness. And you may be in a situation right now, and it's just, you're crying out to God, God, let it change. And as yet, it hasn't changed. God says, it's okay. I will give you grace. There's something, I don't know why, but God is incredibly concerned with our character rather than just blessing us. You know, at times I feel like I'm going to the dentist, you know, and, oh, yeah, he's doing good, but it's not much fun. He's drilling away there. And, um, you know, God, he wants to do something in here that is eternal. And so he allows pressure to come our way, and it doesn't go straight away. 
And that pressure, if we respond right, actually works for our good. Many years ago, uh, our oldest boy, Rod, who's now a pastor of Church Unlimited in Sydney, and uh, he had a terrible um, medical condition, extreme eczema. It was like real bad, you know? And uh, it was so bad that our specialist said, not only must you put mittens on his hands, but at nighttime, you have to tie him up. If you don't tie him up, he will just scratch and scratch and scratch and scratch, and he'll just be, you know, it'll be very bad. And so you can imagine just tying up your, your little boy at nighttime, putting him together, pray, praying with him, love your dad, love your son, and then going out the door. Well, I didn't actually wait to go to sleep, but, you know, it would just break your heart. And so I went on a long fast. I said, God, you've got to come through. And you know, in the fast, God spoke to me. And you know what he said? A song. Come, let us offer a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips giving thanks. That's all he said. That's all God said. I don't know to this day why God let us and let Rod go through that. Rod's fine today. But I don't know why. There are some mysteries that we will not know until we get to heaven. But God knows, and there's a reason. He will work it for good as you respond to him. And um, I have a good friend of mine, and he was right there about to lose his house. And I was meeting with him and praying with him and encouraging him, and he just said, uh, I've still got joy. I've still got joy. Well, he lost his house, his wife and his five children. Yeah, very sad. And they had to relocate and go somewhere, start afresh. But, you know, he's kept his heart right. And God's grace has just blessed him and blessed him. And he works in the government areas. And he's been promoted and promoted and promoted and promoted. He's just about over all of, almost over all of New Zealand now. It's quite, quite remarkable. But he's just kept his heart sweet. The situation didn't change. But in time, God has come through. Think of Jesus in Gethsemane. Father, is it possible, Lord, please take this cup from me? Well, that wasn't going to happen. And at times as we have to pass through things, it's the help of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace. Hebrews 9.14 tells us how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal Spirit he offered himself without spot to God. Jesus could not get through Gethsemane and the cross by himself. There's some things you cannot get through by yourself. And so Jesus just cried out for grace. And it says that through the eternal spirit, grace came. An angel came and strengthened Christ. And he got through it. And you will do the same. God's grace giving victory on the inside when the outside is falling apart. The fourth benefit of grace, and it's not always doom and gloom, thank goodness. It is breakthrough. We do serve a God of the breakthrough. God loves to break through. He is the Messiah, the breaker. And I love Micah chapter 2 and verse 13. It says, the breaker is come up before them. They have broken up. They have passed through. Their king shall pass before them. The Lord at their head. God can break the chains of your situation, despite what I just said a moment ago. He is the God who is limitless. Whether you're facing a situation of financial crisis, God can come on the scene. He can do amazing things. Maybe it's healing this morning. Our God is the Lord, our healer. Perhaps it's a relationship breakdown. Jesus Christ, He is our peace. He has broken down every wall. 
That is our God. He is an amazing God. Perhaps it's guidance. Let the good shepherd take your hand and guide you through. Maybe you've just been praying for years for a loved one to come to Christ and nothing seems to be happening. God is well able to move in your situation. Do not give up. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep holding on to God. Keep declaring his scriptures over that situation. God can turn it around. He loves to reverse things. He loves to astound us. He is amazing. I remember some years ago now, and I, I grew up in a home where everyone were atheists. My dad was an atheist. My mum was an atheist. I was an atheist. We went to the church of the atheists. No, there was no church. Atheists don't believe in God. <laughs> they don't believe in church. But, you know, and they were very set, very set. And I tried. I got saved, and I was really saved. And I tried really hard to get them saved, and I got nowhere. Nowhere at all. It was so difficult, so discouraging. And the years go by, and nothing changes. Man, it's hard. And I can remember, it was, I think it was my mum's birthday. We were at a friend's place up in Auckland, and I phoned up mum because, you know, we're from Christchurch originally. And I said, oh, hi, mum, how's it going? You know, happy birthday. And I, I don't know what I said, but something like, oh, mum, it will be just so good if you believed in God. And she's quite dramatic, and she said, oh, darling, she says, I do believe. I said, really? She said, yes. She's had a change of heart. So I um, just very briefly shared the gospel with her just to make sure she knew what she was doing. And then over the phone, we prayed the sinner's prayer together, and she received Christ as Savior. You know, just a, a short moment, God broke through. God broke through. And God can do the same for you. Don't think he can't do it. You know, your breakthrough may be just around the corner. Hold on to God. He is faithful. Not only will he see you through, but he can come and bring that breakthrough as well. The fifth and final point here is hunger for God. You know, people can have hunger for all manner of things, can't they? I guess, I guess if um, you're a teenager, it could be, um, gee, what's that game? Night, Fortnite. Yeah, that's right. It's getting pretty big, isn't it? That's right. You know, and you can see kids and they're playing it, and they're hungry for whatever it is that that game does for them. A few years ago, when iPhones came out, people would line up by miles because they were hungry. Human beings have the uh, ability to be hungry for something and go to extraordinary lengths. I ask myself this question. I ask you as well. How's our hunger for God doing? Because as the hunger grows we will do extraordinary things for God because there's hunger there. We don't mind standing in line for, you know, overnight to get, you know, the all-black tickets because they're not online. You know, whatever it may be, that moves you. Or we're hungry because we'll pray all night because we say, God, I just need you to break through. Hunger unlocks heaven like nothing else. I, and um, pa- Pastor Paul talked a moment ago about um, reading God's Word, and I would really encourage you to do that, to uh, try, have a go at reading God's Word uh, in a year, and that, that great plan that is there available for us to, to read. And years ago, Pastor Tark talked, he said that he didn't have a hunger for God's Word. He knew he should read it, but, you know, it wasn't really that exciting. And he prayed, he really asked God, God, put a hunger in my heart for your Word. And God gave that to him, and away he went. And Um, at the end of the service, we're going to ask God to uh, help us with our hunger and to increase that. See, when we're hungry for God, other things come into right proportion, right balance. Now, there's four ways to increase grace because grace really is the answer. So number one is to humble ourselves. It's better that we humble ourselves 
than that God has to humble us. It really is. It's much easier if we do it that way. I've had God humble me once or twice. It's not a nice feeling. It really isn't, so don't go there. So Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Psalm 35, just some ways that we could consider. In verse 13, I humbled my soul with fasting. Have you ever done any fasting? Some people think it's going to kill me. It won't. It might kill the old flesh, but it's not going to kill you. Oh, but I'm on medication. I'm on a condition. Well, that's fine. Just go without your favorite dessert or pudding or chocolate or whatever, you know, but just do something. When you will make a small sacrifice, you'll be surprised what God will do. Often we, it's a small thing that we do for God to do a very large thing. So why don't you consider fasting? Even if it's fasting from a screen for a day or two. Oh, that'd kill me. Yeah, that can be really hard. But have a go. Fasting from food is best, but otherwise, make sure you drink plenty of, of liquid and water. But that is a good one. Giving when it hurts. When the offering bag goes down or it's online or whatever, however you do it. Giving to God. Making that way of, of humbling myself. Praying out of my comfort zone. I think in a few weeks' time, we've got a, um, a half night of prayer coming up. So have a go, you know. Get along and uh, join them with those that are here and, and really just push out of your comfort zone. Okay, number two, four ways to increase grace. Second way is maintain a forgiving attitude. I think we're all challenged at times to forgive, aren't we? Isn't this life? Jesus said you're going to be offended. Offenses are going to come. So that's just part of the, the whole deal on planet Earth. And I've certainly had my moments and... Uh, I've had uh, situations where I've thought, oh, okay, I've really got to do something about this. Otherwise, if I don't, it's going to really get me there, you know. But when we maintain a forgiving attitude, grace will flow. Grace will flow. Um, there's a lady called, well, she, she's dead now, Corrie Ten Boom. And anyone heard of Corrie Ten Boom? She's getting a bit, bit dated now, but she was a well-known lady and um, very powerful ministry. And she was in Holland during World War II, and the Germans captured her, took her, her sister Betsy, and they end up in a prisoner of war camp. And, you know, you can imagine the, prison, the men, prison guards, what they did to the women is pretty horrific, pretty bad, terrible. But she survived and got through, but her sister didn't. She died in the, in the, in the camp. And at that stage, just after World War II, she had a, a small ministry in Holland and, and I think just into Germany and nowhere else. And, and you may know the story because it's quite a well-known one. So she's speaking on the area of forgiveness, and she speaks on it. And afterwards, uh, there's some sort of prayer line or something like that. People are talking to her and want prayer. A man comes up, and he says, Fraulein, I was one of those prison guards at that camp you were at. Thank you for forgiving me. And he puts out his hand like this, wanting her to shake it. And suddenly she said, I just felt all those old memories and all that old just that anger and that rage. She said, it just came into my heart. And says, she just whispered, God, I just can't. Please help me. And she just felt the grace of God pour into her. And she said, brother, I do forgive you. Shook his hand. From that point onwards, her ministry just exploded. And she went from city to country to continent across the planet. My question is this. What if she'd just said, brother, I can't do it. It's just too hard. You just was just, just terrible what you did. She couldn't. 
But she tapped into grace, and grace brought that release there, but it brought release externally as well. So often, we want the external release, don't we? But often God says, yeah, I want it too, but I want you to let go. I want you in here to release that. Then I can release and give you what is really in my heart. And so God did that with Corrie, and she came through. So I've made a decision, and why don't you consider this? I've made a decision. I will not get offended. If you are mean and nasty to me, I'm going to be nice to you. And if you're really mean and nasty, I'm going to give you something, a gift. I'm going to bless you. Yeah. Matthew 5, 43 to 48, Jesus talks about enemies. Enemies can be anybody. So if you get a gift from me, you know you've been in trouble, right? <laughs> Jesus said for your enemies, pray for them, do them good, and bless them. I love to speak well of people who annoy me. It's, it's, the, it's the best thing to do. It's exchanged life. It's God's grace for my miserable, pathetic response, you know? You will find great grace, great power coming into your heart when you start to be a blessing people, speaking well of them. You're not denying what's happened. Of course not. You're being real, but you're going beyond that, and you're tapping into great grace. I had the story of this, this dear, dear person, and I, I upset them. And it was, I I've got to be really vague on my details here, but we were doing some sort of night in church, and these people were doing a skit, and it was disastrous. And, you know, I'm in charge, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it in the neck if it's bad. So I turned around to the people organizing it. Oh, couldn't you have got, like, someone else? Well, they heard me, and they got really upset. And I tell you, thereafter, I, my life wasn't worth living. And oh, I'd try to shake a hand, and she'd say, oh, I've got a cold. I can't shake your hand, you know? Oh, that's not very nice. And I'd go home and, and you know, she'd be on my mind. Like, oh, Lord, bless, 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 bless. And I said, Lord, so finally I said, God, do I need to go to get extreme and, and buy a gift? <laughs> and I, I said, Lord, I don't want to do this. It costs money. But, Lord, if that's the case, Lord, please make it obvious. Well, God, I can't give you details, but it was really funny. And God made it really obvious. And I thought, oh, wow. So... This person was involved in, in creative things. And uh, so I had a look at what they had there, and I, I saw one thing I quite liked. Oh, I said to them, oh, I, I, I like that. Look, I'd love to buy it from you. And I'm hoping it's going to be like $10. And no, it's, oh, it's a lot more. Oh, great. Yeah. So, oh, look, I'll, I'll buy that. So I'm ready to buy it. And then, it's a long story, isn't it? Yeah, okay, I'm coming to my crunch line. So I'm ready to buy it, and I'm at church, and then she comes to me and says, oh, actually, there's another person. It's, it's sat there for months and months, but they want to buy it instead. But I promised it to you. I'm thinking, oh, wow, I'm going to be set free. <laughs> so I never had to buy it. I said, no, 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 let them have it. And I have 20 bucks, and that was the end of it. And, um, you know, God was seeing my response. And ever since then, we've got on like a house on fire. Really, really good. So do something extreme and radical and just say, God, guide me in this. God will bring release. You know, God is into reconciliation. God is into people coming together. And we have to let go our pride. 
And we have to say, okay, I'm not going to do that, God. What is the best thing, Lord? I want to bless this person because, Jesus, you died for them, and they matter to you. They count to you, and I want to be part of the solution. I'm fed up with the old me. I want the new me, you know? And so that's what I'm trying to do in my journey of, of grace. So to, I encourage you, maintain a forgiving attitude. Next point, and move on fairly quickly, let go of what is important to you. But Jonah 2, verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Hannah let go her desire for children by offering her firstborn, if she would have one, to God. And Samuel was born, and then Hannah had, I think, four or five children after that. If you will yield and you will bend, grace will flow like a river. Hallelujah. And the final point here today, a good tongue. In a bad situation. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. You have a mountain before you today. Why don't you speak grace to it? You'll be amazed and surprised what our God will do. We had a, a, a neighbor in our church about 35 years ago, um, and uh, at that point, I wasn't part of the church. And uh, this neighbor would play rock music regularly during the church services. He didn't like the church, and he played it as loud as he could. And he was right next to the church, so it could be heard what, during the service. Um, I attended a meeting, a, a guy called Emmanuel Canestracy, which is a funny name. He was an American-Italian prophet. And he said, he's speaking on this message on speaking grace. And he said, we're going to turn to this neighbor in this Sunday night meeting, and we're going to say grace, grace to him. And we're going to do it like three times. I thought, this is crazy. What a thing to speak grace like that. But we did. So, you know, I wasn't part of the church. It was 35 years ago. And I went with Debbie's, Debbie's mum and dad, actually. And we turned and we faced the neighbor. And, grace, 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 like this. And that was it. It was over. I thought, oh, well, okay, whatever. Well, guess what happened afterwards? Within, within a year, the guy had sold his property. And what happened was there'd been a funeral on a week or two or a month later. And he had his rock music up once again. And a visitor in, at the funeral took offense at this. And this guy was a soldier. And he went round to the neighbor's place. And I don't want to exaggerate because I haven't got the exact details. But he said enough to the guy to threaten him that if he does it again... He will be back, and he will sort him out permanently. And I, I believe, you know, I've heard this. I don't know if this bit's true. He actually broke down the door and smashed the stereo. So I'm not sure about that bit, but it sounds good, doesn't it? But it was enough for this guy to, to sell his house, and guess who bought his house and have built the church over it? We did. And when, if you go into our church, you'll probably walk over his property. Isn't God amazing? Speaking grace, grace to the situation. What about your situation this morning? I'm going to ask the, the band to come up right now. And uh, we're going to speak grace, grace to your situation. We're going to believe God together, that our God who was limitless, that our God, nothing is impossible, that our God can do anything. You know, he made Abraham and Sarah have kids very old in life. He, uh, he's the God who released Paul and Cyrus from prison. They've just been badly beaten. You know, he can do anything, anything large. He can conquer death and hell. Anything small like a, uh, your miracle. He, it's only small to him. 
but he loves you dearly and he wants to do it. So I think if we sang that one that we sang just at the end.